The NHL All-Star break has come and gone. Bridget and Scott, when is the Bruins' first game back from break? Ooh, yeah, apparently funny. Thursday. Apparently not Tuesday. Yeah. No, they had a bit of a no-show at the Garden on Tuesday against the Flames. They lose 4-1. to one. Not a whole lot of good to take away from that game. Nonetheless, Bridget and Scott, we will still have opening shifts, so let's get right to them. Can I yeah, go so- Oh, yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay, mine. Uh, it's real quick, Scott, so we'll get to you in about 10 seconds. Um, my opening shift is just blah. Like, that was just the most blah game I've watched in a long time. And Scott and I were up. I was in the second period. I was like, this is the most boring second period I've watched in forever. And he was like, no, this whole game has been like that. So, I mean, just blah, meh. That's, that's my opening shift. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. leaving the garden. I was like, I don't even know what we're going to talk about tomorrow. It's just, it was just so meh. Hey, at least we did get one great game at the garden this week. For people not oh, watching God, on YouTube, I'm, <clears throat> I'm pointing at my BU hat. Uh, BUBC and the Beanpot was great. Yeah, Bruins, Flames, not so much. It um, almost wasn't great though. Like it was, it started out all BU, and then all of a sudden, BC was like, oh yeah, there's a game tonight, and uh, they almost upset scott he was up on the ninth floor just losing his mind yeah i mean macklin celebrini really kind of showed uh, there were a lot of eyes on that weekend home and home series yeah i think he scored in the final minute of the second game but he wasn't really i wouldn't say he was dominant uh he wasn't you didn't watch him in that weekend series and be like oh yeah he's like the future first overall pick in the nhl he just looked like a really good player out there but in that being pot semifinal game it was yeah, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's better than all the rest. Yep, you got, you got a freshman line of first rounders and on BC, and you and they they aren't at his level, even them. Yeah, and then he swears on <laughs> live TV. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that uh, second that second goal was 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 insane. No, no, no goal is is stopping that. Yeah, and like he he had a couple chances like that in that weekend series too, and just didn't bury them. But it's like. You can only give him so many of those before he's going to. Like it's just it's going to be inevitable at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyways, unfortunately, we we do have to talk about the Bruins more more than the Bean Pot here. So uh, my my opening shift uh, ties into I, I think certainly one of the main takeaways from that game and you know something that a lot of the social media conversation has centered around was the lack of physical response from the Bruins after. Brad Marchand got cross-checked in the face by Martin Pospisil, who was ejected from the game, five-minute major game misconduct. Uh, and then was also high, Marchand was also high-sticked later in the game, um, a little cut above his lip. That was by Mackenzie Wieger. And for me, like, okay, sure, maybe you wanted the Bruins to be more physical, Possible still got ejected from the game. It's not like you really had a chance to do anything there. Weaker sitting in the box for four minutes. You can't get immediate revenge there. Where you can really get revenge is on the scoreboard because you got – it ended up being a three-minute power play on the possible one instead of five uh, because Martian was also called for a slash before he got cross-checked. But you get that power play, they do absolutely nothing with it. Didn't even, like, create any good looks – um, and then the, the high stick gives them a five on three. They do score on the five on three, but they still have three and a half minutes left on the double minor after that great chance to tie the game. And instead what happens 
they get a too many men in the ice penalty. There goes the rest of that power play. Huberto scores on the on the four on four, and now it's three one, and the Flames are running away. Like it's it, just the that kind of just summed up the game where the Bruins are just shooting themselves in the foot. And even when the Flames seemed determined to give them an opening to get back in the game, they just couldn't take advantage. And you can you can chalk it up to first game out of break if you want, but I don't really think that's much of an excuse because the Flames had the same exact break and they also had to travel. So. Um, you know, maybe that explains the start, but it doesn't explain all 60 minutes. Well, and I think that sometimes it is easier for the road team though, after a break, because it's like, okay, this is a business trip. And like the guys that are at home have just gotten comfortable and like, you know, came back from Florida or the Bahamas or, and they were like in this relaxed mode and there was nothing to like spring them back into business mode. But like when you get all your stuff packed together and you get on a plane. It's like, this is a business trip. Sometimes it is easier for the road team when things start back up. Um, that's just what I've heard from a bunch of people. And also the, the, the Marshawn getting hit in the face twice thing. Fluto asked him after the game and, and Marshawn thought that he was joking because Fluto was like, where did we get you in the face? And he was like, can't you see? Cause his nose was all like bloody and like his lip was bleeding. And like, and no, he's like, no, really. And he's like, he, it was his mouth, but um yeah Marshawn's whole face was not and I've gotten into a, the bad habit of asking players after the game how's your face so I didn't want to ask this time but like Matt Potro when he had his nose like bleeding everywhere and uh DeBrusque when he had stitches in his chin I just like in the scrum like how's your face um so I was like I can't do that again yeah <clears throat> so of course any any time you know guys are you know, scraping aloe vera out of their elbow pads after a vacation, you, you kind of question maybe if it's going to be a good game or not. And Scott, I like what you said. Like, obviously, it, it could potentially explain the start, but not the whole 60 minutes. It was definitely a concern of mine uh, because it took a break, uh, the Christmas break for the Bruins to snap out of a, a funk that they were in. And they were playing phenomenal hockey in the time since then. And I was a little bit weary heading into the All-Star break that – it could potentially be uh, the opposite effect where now they have a break and it's going to you know, affect their momentum that they created. End of the day, it's February, so they have time to – it's about, again, it's about creating that momentum again by the time April comes around. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty lackluster effort all the way around. Um, my, my, my opening take is um, I'm curious as to where you guys feel the lines may have sh- – should have if you uh, were comfortable with the lines that Montgomery went with last night out of the All Star break because the game before uh, the All Star break they played in Philadelphia and that game you saw JVR with Zaka and Pashnak and Pashnak it was one of those games where he was like yeah I'm one of the best players in the world I'm gonna do whatever I want and Zaka and Van Riemsdyk played well alongside with him and the reason that they were together was because of some injuries up front I think uh, Jake DeBrusque may have been out that game and maybe uh, a couple of others, but anyway, so against Calgary, Montgomery kept Van Riemsdyk, Zaka, and Pashnak together, which meant Marshand with Coyle and DeBrusque. Marshand, Coyle, and Pashnak were playing really well as a line, I felt, uh, the couple of weeks leading into the All-Star break. I'm curious if you guys feel like maybe that would have been a better lineup coming out of the break, or if you don't really care, it's, it, it is what it is. It's a, it's a long season. They're just jumbling the lines again. Yeah, I, 
going into it, I would have thought either way was fine. So, you know, I'm not I'm not going to second guess myself because I I would have thought whatever he chooses is fine. Both are playing well. Like it's hard to argue against keeping Ben Reemsdyk, Zaka, Pastrnak together when they just had a game where, or you know, I say just, I mean a week ago, had a game where they literally scored on four straight shifts. Um, you know, I, I absolutely understand the temptation to keep that together and see if maybe they can sort of keep that magic rolling. Um, you know, he ended up changing lines uh, like midway through the second period anyways, because obviously they had nothing going offensively. I I don't think the line change helped. I, I don't think anything would have helped on this night, honestly. Like this is one of those games where, yeah, you know, lineup combinations always matter to an extent, but this is just like a team-wide, to use Bridget's word, blah. Like just, just a total breakdown across the board. No one had it. I don't think you'd be hard pressed to highlight anyone who had a good game. I mean, I guess I noticed like Jacob Lauko had a, a few good shifts and, and at least seemed to have some energy, but even that's like a little bit of a stretch. Even Swayman was off, especially the, the fourth goal he gives up, like the, the one that really ends the game essentially. It's just, it's a soft backhander from a low angle from Noah Hannafin. And, and somehow he gets no one, like, no one even knew it went in because it was just like such a random shot. And then it would, it squeezed right through him. It like it, it just snuck its way in, and and even like the broadcasters were like, "Oh, it's in," and I'm pretty sure that the, there was no reaction from the fans either. Like usually the fans would be like, "Oh," it was like there was nothing. I was like, nobody had any idea that puck went in, but it should have been stopped. Yeah. So. Uh... By the way, guys, not to like distract from what we're talking about, but I'm I still cannot figure this out. Um, what, what people don't know is that I got delivered flowers, like literally as we were about to start recording this, they're right here. Um, if you're watching on YouTube and I have no idea who sent me this or why, cause it's not Valentine's day yet. And I do not have a boyfriend. <laughs> um, and it's spelled wrong. It's spelled P R O X L. Wasn't Melvin, was it? I mean, maybe. Is there a, a couple um, paw prints on there? <laughs> there's nothing. Wait, is there an, an inside? There's nothing. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know who sent me these. I don't know. Did any of you send me these? Oh yeah, I was gonna say it could could be a listener. It could be you know a YouTube commenter. Like like usually I get flowers like if I was like in the hospital or like if I had a boyfriend, which I don't. Um, so. These are a mystery, but they're they're lovely. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it was Don's weenie. Bridget also, Bridget also got a, a sunflower at the Bruins game Tuesday yes, night for uh, for women in sports night. Oh, I should have put that down here with it. I wasn't yeah. expecting it though. Sorry, I got. I'm still just. I'm gonna spend the rest of the day trying to figure out what who this is from. So. I mean, on, honestly, it's more interesting than that Bruins game. So it really is. Okay, so <laughs> I don't feel that and, bad. And Scott's Jekyll and Hyde fandom with with with, with Creed, I think, is also more <laughs> interesting than the than the game. Um, yeah, this, this wasn't it. This was one of the most random pre-podcast discussions that we had had. Yeah. Yeah, because it started with Brian randomly bringing up Creed and asking Scott if he was a fan and then being very disappointed that Scott said, no, not anymore. Then my doorbell rang. My dog freaked out. 
flowers showed up. I don't mm. know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it was. Like I just had some sort of like voice in my head that just said, "Ask Scott if he likes greed." There was no, <laughs> there was no thought that went into it. There was not, it. Literally, I had a thought and I asked it. I spoke on it, and uh, we started talking about Super Bowl performances and Rihanna being pregnant and killing it last year. But I don't know, whatever. Okay, and, and the answer because I'm, I'm sure listeners are just dying to know is that. I, I can't say I'm really a Creed fan, but I'm not. I'm also not a hater. Like Creed's one of those bands where, I, like, along with Nickelback, where it's like people want to hate them, love to hate them, and it's like that to me is even more annoying than people who like love them. It's like, it's like whatever. Like who who cares if if people like them, that's fine. I I can't say they're they're my cup of tea, but um, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not, I'm not freaking out if higher comes on. I, I, I well, see. Yeah, I see. I was just gonna say, like, if anybody says they don't like Creed and they're by themselves in the car and that comes on, I guarantee the windows are going down, the music, the, the radio is going up. So, and you can't tell me otherwise. Everybody's a closeted Creed fan. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I, I proudly admit that I'm a Creed fan. You can change your opening shift if you like to. <laughs> everyone's a closeted Creed fan. But. Well, so uh, stemming on, I, I want to get to the defense as well. Um, because the, you know, a lot of times this, this Bruins offense starts from the back end, and, and last night was not a good showing for anybody in the team. And, I, and there's some there's some personnel issues last night on the, on the blue line. There's injuries and whatnot, but I want to get to the defense. But before I do, um, I'm looking at the lines that the Bruins put out last night, and the third line was Lauko with um, Frederick and Geeky. I'm, I'm curious, do you guys feel like that's the one line right now on, on the Bruins where I look at somebody and I say they're clearly like playing higher in the lineup, right? And that's Jacob Loco. And not, nothing, no disrespect to him. I, I don't believe he's a third liner, certainly not right now. And I'm curious, do you feel like there's a, again, before it's, before it's springtime, should the Bruins find a way to like call up Fabian Lysel for like a couple of games just to throw him on a third line left wing and see if he can just like do anything for a game or two is is that wasted asset management I I don't see the harm in that if if luck was going to be near third line left wing why not put Lysel there for a couple of games I don't know if the cap allows it or I don't know that just popped into my head as well yeah that that's a possibility what I would say is even more of an immediate possibility assuming his injury isn't too, too serious is plugging Potra in on that line, Frederick left wing, geeky right wing. And that there's a third line. Like I would like to see them take a look at. And, um, you know, our, our last episode during, you know, last week during the break was a mailbag. And we actually got several more questions, uh, after we recorded, I, I think we probably weren't entirely clear on when questions were, were due. So we'll take some blame there. But um, one of them from Mark was was all about Patra and kind of where he slots in. Is he going to be stuck in the fourth line? Do you have to move him up? Well, Jim Montgomery talked about Patra um, after Tuesday's morning skate and was asked, you know, okay, when he does come back, because he's still dealing with a little bit of a, of a nagging injury, um, you know, is it like you put him on the fourth line and he has to work his way up and, Montgomery, I think really for the first time in a while said, well, ideally it's not the fourth line. Ideally it's a little higher in the lineup and a little more of an offensive situation. And that was immediately what I thought is like, 
Okay, right now you have Lauko on the third line. Ryan, you're right. That's a line higher than he probably should be. That's immediately what I thought. It's like, well, that's where you put Padre. If you want to try to get Padre a little higher in the lineup anyways, there's a, a clear opening. And, and I know Morgan Geeky has played well as a center, but I think he makes that switch to wing pretty seamlessly. Um, having both him and Frederick with Padre really helps with a lot of that defensive responsibility. It doesn't have to be all Patra, you know, coming down low in the defensive zone all the time. So I would like to see that uh, when he returns to the lineup, whether that's Thursday or Saturday, you know, I guess we'll, we'll probably get more information um, after Thursday's morning skate. The Bruins are completely off on Wednesday, so there won't be any update then. But um, even before you know, I, I do think Lysel could get a look at some point because he's been playing really well in Providence. Uh, he's kind of been on a bit of a heater there. I know, you know, people probably stop paying attention a little bit after those critical comments from Ryan Mujanel, but that was now a couple months ago at this point. And Lysel's, you know, really kind of turned things around and gotten going since then. Yeah. And uh, Georgie Merkelov just came off uh, the AHL All-Star game. Um, so uh, he's been still doing pretty well. But I, I want to talk about Patra being on that line and, and uh, Frederick Patra geeky line, I think actually has some decent potential. You're, really, that's a line of three centers um, because Frederick was a center in college, can play center defensively. He um, is very solid and, you know, he's become a pretty good 200 foot player and that basis comes around being a center and then geeky, same thing. So we're talking about usually your center is your most like defensively sound forward on a line. Um, in this case, if Potter is your center, he's not, but that's okay. Cause you have geeky and, and Frederick there as well. And he, it gives him a little bit of extra leeway to, to learn um, from two guys that, have, that are more experienced and, um, you know, can also have his back if he needs it, but they're also bigger guys than him, which I think helps. And Frederick it, at times, Patra has gotten uh, pushed around a little bit. And I think Frederick being out there with him helps with that um, in, in different situations, not all the time, obviously, but if need be Frederick is, if he's on the ice with him, I think that helps. Um, so I think that line could have a pretty decent dynamic because I actually think that Potra is a very smart passer, but Geeky is also a really smart, um, just hockey player in general. We've seen him like go to different spaces on the ice, find ways to get open. Um, and also some of his passing has been creative. So I think that there could be an interesting dynamic with Potra and Geeky. Um, and Frederick's just a really hard worker and we've seen him start to bloom and you don't want to see a combination that hinders Frederick at all though. So you have to keep an eye on that because Frederick actually has been one of your best producers recently, but I see potential for that line. Uh, if, if that's the combination, if, if Patrick gets back in here the next game or two. Yeah. And just a quick uh, correction. Lysel Scott, as you mentioned, is a, a right wing, not a left wing option, but just seeing the, um, just seeing the opening potential opening, in that line, whether he's playing as offside or not, organizationally, uh, but yeah, Patra is, is is the natural, natural option there, and uh, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. 